Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Once again, we are coming to you from our sumptuous Las Vegas balcony, enjoying the awesome view of a evergreen tree that stands between me and the park that's across the way. And we are excited to have another great conversation with you. Our listeners have told us that when they tune into Business Creators Radio, they feel like they're tapping in to a private mastermind session. So I urge you to have your pad of paper and two pens ready to capture the aha moments that will naturally arise and also to make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite network so you can replay this episode and also get fresh episodes delivered straight to your queue as we release them every week. So, oh, I love the topic of today's title. Oh, this is hilarious. Niche, please. <laughs> I love it. How to narrow your focus and grow your small business with social media. Now, there's a debate whether you pronounce the word niche or niche. So I could say niche, please, and it would be even funnier. Uh, but this is very, very important because I see companies out there, I see entrepreneurs out there that fundamentally get sidetracked or distracted from the importance of niching or niching. I'm going to go with niching. You can do it however you want. And to share with us today on how to disambiguate this is Skylar Irvine. Now, Skylar is the founder and CEO of Rensler Media, which is a digital production company that helps entrepreneurs and small businesses tell their unique stories and support their brand with technology and social media. He believes everyone has their own path to success, one based on distinctive ideas and interests that separate every good entrepreneur from their competition. As Skylar likes to say, pursuing our interests allows us to turn our ideas into money and erase the line between work and play. Skylar graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara, with a degree in global studies and international relations. He lives in Phoenix, Arizona, with his wife and three kids. And today, he's on the Business Creators Radio Show. Skylar Irvine, come on in. The weather's fine. Adam, wow, what an incredible intro. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's your official intro. And reading it out loud, I'm not sure I'm qualified to be in your presence. And we're on my show. So uh, this is very impressive stuff, and I'm really looking forward to discovering some things from you. Before we get into that, though, and I know you have a lot of things you are hoping we have the time to cover, uh, we like to have our guests just tell us a bit about their personal journey and what's brought us or brought them to where they are today, serving business creators from their intersection of their brilliance and their passion. So if you could just tell me a bit about your story and what's motivated you and brought you along to this whole thing of niching. Sure. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I'll do my best to keep it brief, but um, I graduated from college, like you had mentioned, in the University of California, Santa Barbara, which was an amazing place to go to school um, in 2007. So that meant 2008. 
um, I was introduced to my first global recession. Um, and these uh -huh. were things that I never really uh, expected would happen, uh, kind of following along the guidelines of get good grades to get into college, get in college to get a good job with health benefits and stay loyal. You've got stability and everything will be fine. Um, that was the path that I followed. Um, I ended up in a job that was doing marketing for an environmental consulting firm out in California. And when that recession hit, it was, it was kind of everyone for themselves, so to speak. We, I got, I got fired by one of those professional firing companies that we saw in that uh, George Clooney movie up in the air. Yep. Um, a person I'd never met came in, fired a bunch of us. And I was the third round of layoffs. So I'd survived longer, but, but everyone eventually got laid off. And at the wow. time I had to move back home. I had college dad. I was living with my parents and felt like a complete failure, um, because I thought I'd done everything I was supposed to do, but, but it was eye opening for me because it was okay. Well, if I can fail doing all these things that I never wanted to do in the first place, well, now I've got a little bit more um, bravery, I guess, to go out and try to do things on my own the way that I've always kind of wanted to do them, knowing that worst case scenario, I'm going to end up where I already am. Um, and at the time, I, I ended up getting into real estate. I was reading a lot of books and I was driving back and forth to California to Phoenix a lot. And back then I was listening to books on tape, which now would have been podcasts or a lot something a lot better than nine yeah. different CDs I had to keep ejecting um, and, and really kind of just learned a lot about the process of of buying and owning properties. And I looked around the world and it sounded a lot like it did back in 1987 when the um, savings and loan crisis hit and everyone kind of had to sell a bunch of houses and the property values dropped. I had this gut feeling that eventually prices will come back because they're not going to build new houses until all these other houses are sold. And, and Phoenix, we got crushed with that with that last recession. Um, there was tons of houses for sale, no one that wanted to buy them. But what I found was uh -huh. that all these people that had lost their houses, a lot of them still needed to live in these houses. They just couldn't afford to buy them or their credit was destroyed. Getting rent was hard. And there were families with kids that wanted to stay in their school districts. So my first step into entrepreneurship was, was buying and selling foreclosed homes um, at the time was, was actually buying them and renting them out and then refinancing them because I could turn them very, very quickly. And I was getting the properties for so cheap. Um, the first time I went to get one uh, insured, they insured it for 150,000. I said, no, I only bought this for 67,000. They said, well, if it, if it burns down, it would cost 150,000 to build a new one. And that was my first aha moment in business where I thought, okay, well, they literally cannot build another new house until all of these are gone because it costs 80,000 more to build a new one than it does to buy these right now. Um, so the, yeah. the money made sense. It was just, do I have the courage or do I, am I willing to risk and kind of put everything I have into this? Um, and I knew, well, I was young, I've got time. It will probably take another 15, 25 years till the market comes back just like the last time, but um, it will eventually. I didn't know it was going to take like two and a half to three years. Um, so the timing was great, but my, my thesis was correct. And um, yeah. I, I was doing that until Blackstone came in with $2 billion in cash and the prices doubled at auction overnight. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, this was such a good idea that they think it's a good idea too, but they're probably going to price me out for a little while. Uh, but this does mean that they're going to scoop up all these properties. I've got a few years of buying and selling houses under my belt. I'm going to pivot and help other people like me buy and sell houses 
houses for them. Uh, and that's when I, I pivoted my business into real estate. And um, it was a proven track record because I built it on the back of Facebook. Um, I yeah. looked at my competition, said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm young. What are my weaknesses? Well, I'm, I'm young. I don't have a ton <laughs> of experience of doing these things that other people are doing. Um, I can't afford a huge office. I can't afford a huge website. At the time, those websites were 30 to 50,000 to make them look professional. Um, so I took my weaknesses and turned them into strengths. I said, okay, I'm young. I'm going to help other people that are my age buy their first house. I've bought and sold a bunch of houses. So I've actually got more experience than other young people. And where am I going to find and connect and, and kind of communicate with these people? Well, I'm going to do it on Facebook because I know how to work Facebook where most people don't, and I can do it for free. Uh, instead of going and, and kind of knocking on the neighborhood doors um, for an hour on the weekends, I know that yeah. I can make a video and instead of reaching maybe 10 people, I could reach 100 people, maybe even 1,000 over, over a week-long period. Um, and that was kind of the other aha moment for me was, okay, I can continuously do this where each one builds off the next. And if I do this every week for a year, I'll be 50 videos ahead of my competition. If I do it for a couple of years, I'll be years ahead. And yep. I, I, I just, it was another aha moment of, okay, this is working. I'm doing this for free. I don't have to spend money on billboards. I don't have to spend money on bus benches where most of my competition was spending money. I could just reinvested in the things that were working. And, and at the time it was Facebook. And I, I grew that business to the point where I wasn't even doing any real estate. I was just doing the lead gen and the marketing because that's what yeah. I've always done. And that's what has been my strength. And I said, you know what, it's going to come to a time where I'm going to spin off my marketing division and create a new company that just does what I did for my businesses, but for other businesses, for other entrepreneurs and for other small business owners who have a similar path as me of saying, okay, well, what is my weakness that I can't compete with? Okay, well, let's let's turn that into a strength and make it so mm -hmm. you can't be competed with. Um, and that was kind of a long 10 to 15 year journey going from getting fired in the first recession to really capitalizing off the next recession, which, which we're just kind of coming out of now, um, depending on how you look at the economy. Wow. Uh, that is... I'm even more impressed, and I have a feeling this is going to be a lot of fun here. I love that that whole journey that you've shared with us, and we have so much more to cover here. So you told us a bit about how we got to where we are, and currently with your profession, as you said, you run a company that helps business owners promote their companies on social media. So you then went ahead and wrote the book, Niche Please. This is not only the title of this episode, it's also the title of your book, one I'm going to pick up and read myself. So what made this the right medium for this lesson? You know what? That's, that's a really great question. And a lot of it comes down to a couple factors. And one of them being, I wanted to take on the challenge of writing a book about social media that didn't become obsolete in five minutes. And that's wow, that is much <laughs> harder to say. Yeah, it's much harder to do because it changes so much. So the, so the way I wanted to do that was basically tackle the main principles of, of attention and marketing for attention and how they really haven't changed, just the technology changes. And anytime we have a huge demand for something, supply will come and fill it up to the point where the thing that we were previously oversupplied with now becomes in high demand with low supply. Like it, it's just like a pendulum on a clock swings one way or the other. It, it always goes a little bit too far in one direction than the next. Um, we're all familiar with the pivot to video and how media companies fired off their journalists and hired a bunch of digital creators to kind yep. of pivot to video, but it isn't just pivoting to video. That's the answer. It's actually creative storytelling. 
and people like to take, like to receive some of the creative storytelling with video, which is why that works really well. So yeah, creating a book meant it had to be more than something that could be updated every five minutes. And by analyzing the principles of how things evolved and how the first television commercials ever were people in a radio booth reading a radio ad um, that was just on camera because people didn't know how to create content for television, just like they didn't know how to create content for YouTube or Facebook or TikTok when those things happen. Um, new technology creates new opportunities. And if you are a business owner right now feeling overwhelmed by all these things, you got to flip the script and say, okay, this is my advantage. This is, this is how I win. If you're a large company, it's tough because there's so many channels that you have to cover your back on. In yeah. the past, if you were a large company, you could just outspend your competition so they could never compete with you on television because there's only three channels. Then there was 15 channels. Then there was 100. Then there was the internet. So so now, I mean, we, we mentioned a little bit um, early before we hopped on, but um, a, a great example is Dollar Shave Club. As someone who could compete with Gillette, which seemed like impossible because yeah, if you yeah, wanted oh, to sell oh, yeah. razors to people, you'd yep. have to spend so much money on commercials or spend so much money on yep. magazine ads. But if you could create a viral video on YouTube that reaches your exact audience, all of a sudden there's this competitor that never would have existed if it was just 10 years earlier. So this technology allows people to now comp compete with some of these big giants, just like I was able to, as a, as a 26 year old kid compete with well-established real estate companies. You've got yeah. dollar shave club, which is competing with a hundred year old uh, shave company, which seemed impossible. Now it doesn't like if you're young or if you're under 30 or you're like hearing this now, we're so used to this, but this is so like, this is all brand new. It used to just be like big companies and nothing else. Now there's like direct to consumer. You can build a business on, Instagram, you can build it on Shopify. There's all of these opportunities that seems overwhelming um, because it is, but it's also your best advantage if you're an entrepreneur or if you're someone who's trying to start your business from scratch, coming from a place where if this was 25 years ago, you, you don't really have these same opportunities. Wow. Uh, I could probably just ask you one more question and let you carry the whole interview. Uh, but what I love about your answer there is you actually touched on the next couple things that I was very curious about. Uh, we're going to come back to the dollar shave thing in just a moment because I think there's a bit more to that. But first of all, one of the things that we wanted to discuss is how radio changed the game of marketing. And I want to make an observation before we get there. Uh, as you know, the Business Creators Radio Show is one of those podcasts out there that is audio only and does not have a video component. You want to know why? Because I don't want to. <laughs> that's that's why. I, I don't want I don't want to. Yeah, it's a valid I, I don't, reason. I, I don't want to do video because these are in-depth conversations. They're intended to be motivational, inspirational, and give the listener something they can walk away with, implement immediately, and say, wow. That's Skylar Irvine. He's so awesome. I really got to go back and get in contact with him. That's part of the value we deliver to our guests. Now, as far as the listeners, we have studied our listener behavior. We've had conversations. We've done surveys. And we've determined that the typical listener of the Business Creators Radio Show is somebody who's streaming it in the background while they're doing something else. That is why we don't that's another reason we don't care about the whole video thing, because they're probably not going to be watching. It's also why I sometimes go off on uh, expletive-laden rants, because I need to pull people out of their, their white line fever or their driving hypnosis, where the words have started to sound like the teacher on Peanuts. I want them to sit up and say, whoa, whoa, what did they just say? 
What did I just miss? I better lean in. I better subscribe and go back to listen to this one. And the, the other reason is, you know, I don't want to sit in a media pose staring into a camera for a freaking hour when I'm trying myself to gain a few tips, tools, and tactics. A lot of the times I'm writing things down for myself. I'm not only the host, I'm the number one student. I also sometimes will get so inspired by what my guest is saying that I will actually stand up and do the raise the roof gesture. But I don't want to sit there and stare at the camera because aside from that, it'll zoom me out and then I'll be exhausted. And I don't want that. I want to keep going. I want to be inspired, not tired by the Business Creators Radio Show. So I like to remind people when they get all up in their feels about, oh, but where's the video? I like to remind them that podcasting by definition is an audio channel. If you go back to where podcasting actually came from and what it authentically is, I view the whole concept that there are video podcasts and well, your podcast has to have the video side and everything else. I view that almost as a form of bastardization. So I got really intrigued by you wanting to discuss how radio changed the game of marketing. Now, radio was a long time ago. It was before television, so there really was not a visual. And you've argued that it's similar to social media. So tell us what we can learn about radio and apply it to social media. There's there's so many things I wanted to touch on when you when you talked about that, but I'm going to save it and try to stick to just the question. If you, if, um, if, but, if, you need I, add, if you need to add a little bit more, add a little bit more. We're having a conversation. No, no, I, we get I just love by what each you're other. saying. I, th- yeah. I think the biggest lesson to take out of it is to not pivot to new technologies for the wrong reasons, or right. don't take the wrong lessons from things that are working for other people. And yeah, in in the book Niche Please, we kind of talk about how to find your niche in business and in content and in media. And it's more of an art than a science because it's a play to your strengths. If you hate video, cross it off your list and never think about it again. And that's what you've done really successfully. If you're trying to do video because you think you should, you're never going to succeed on it. Um, The best video show doesn't sound that good as an audio only platform. And the best audio only platform doesn't look that good if it was on video, but you can really own those categories if you go all, all in on that. So having the best talk radio show is the top goal. So only being with talk radio is that makes a, a lot of sense. Um, when we talk about radio changing the game, it, it was okay. Before radio radios were expensive. You had to buy them and not a lot of people had them in their house. Once people yeah. started buying them and having them in their house, culture started to change just like it often does with technology. Look at it today of like, all right, what are, what's going to happen with movies? Well, the biggest thing that, that uh, movies are facing is that it's easier and cheaper to stream high quality content and everyone's living room now feels like a movie theater. In the past, when everyone had small, bad TVs, going to the movie was the only way to watch a good screen. So a lot of those things change because culture changes with technology. If you were trying to advertise your soap um, as a soap company to to get more people to buy them, well, the best way you could really do it was just where's people's attention, and it was probably in print newspapers, uh, daily newspapers, or two two a day newspapers that were going out, um, or going direct to the shops and trying to sell your product to the shopkeepers because if the shopkeepers put it on their shelves, that would basically mean that people would buy them. When radios were in everyone's homes and the men were going off to work and the women were at home and and turning on the radio, um, they started to like 
listened to these shows that were really um, like ended on cliffhangers, a lot like Netflix shows do today. Um, and they would just basically create this type of absurd storytelling content that would get women to want to tune in day to day. So they would catch the end of, of the show next week or, or the next day. Right. This was a really great place to start to directly advertise soap products and other types of products to women directly who were then the, going out to the shops to buy products before they were either putting these in print magazines and hoping they would get readed or hoping they'd get like cited and read. Instead, they're now developing these new ways of, of reaching these people because there's a whole new type of attention that people are, are exerting. Um, and it became really prominent for these soap companies to sponsor these shows. And today we call those soap operas. When we think about those crazy shows that end on cliffhangers episode to episode, uh, yep. they're called soap operas because they were funded by the soap companies back in yeah. the day. That's radio. That's that's learning how to adapt to radio and, and creating audio attention grabs that are so much different than trying to grab someone's attention in print. Um, you, you see it a lot with just like how logo designs for major companies change over the decades. It's really based on the technology that everyone else has. A lot of black and white, simple logos in the time of, of black and white newspapers and, and magazines that now have evolved to uh, like high levels of gradients because everyone's HD phone can now handle those types of gradient logos. It's not really the companies changing. It's more of culture and tech that are changing. Everything else kind of stays the same. So, so yep. being different is the best way to stand out. Um, and if you're a new up and comer, and you're have a you have a leg up of going into those new mediums to try to grab the attention of the audience you're trying to reach. It, it doesn't work if you're trying to sell something um, to people who aren't likely to buy from you. Like, it's one thing to get their attention, but is it the right attention? Um, but that's kind of the most interesting thing about if we look back at how, okay, there's a new social media app. Oh no, I can't keep up. Now there's clubhouse. What do I do? Well, okay. It's something new. You just run it through the pipeline of, okay, do I create content that is audio based only? Yes or no. That'll let you decide whether or not you should even look at clubhouse or, or just sit on the sidelines before. Um, that's nothing new, whether it's magazines to newspapers, to radio, to television, to internet, to uh, 4K HD streaming virtual reality plugged into your eyeballs. The same type of content is the same. Is, is Are you listening to it? Are you watching it? Are you reading it? Are you looking at it? And along those lines, you, you can find the one that works best for you and your content and the business goals you're trying to achieve. And it makes those answers a lot easier for you when it comes down to, well, there's so much social media out there. I don't even know where to begin. This is where you begin. You, you ask yourself these questions. Yeah. I, and, you know, I love how you point out the evolution of brands because we see that all the time. And we also see the recommendation that every so often you update your brand, even if you're within, within the same brand name, even if you're in the same industry. And you give a an angle on that that I haven't really heard before. This is educational to me. It's just the idea that culture, society, and technology change, and now we can do things that we couldn't even imagine before. So when I see a website, and I saw one just today, the website was obviously built to conform with Internet Explorer 6, and they just haven't updated it. And I'm thinking, man, this is tired, because it looks like, because it takes up like one-third of my screen on my laptop when it should be three-fourths like a typical website it wasn't mobile responsive it horizontally scrolled and all other kinds of things i'm thinking dude 
you're an international motivational speaker, this guy whose website I was looking at, and you're the published author of a New York Times bestseller. You can't drop five grand in Skrilla to put up a 2121 website, even same content, maybe fresh and logo. Come on. Uh, seriously. Now, let's go to this Dollar Shave Club thing. And there's a, something, a couple things I really love about the Dollar Shave Club uh, from a you know, from a personal perspective, a year or so ago in change, I, you know, we were all in a situation where it was difficult to get a haircut. And I had gone 43 days without a haircut. And it was 44 days and 45 days, and 46 days. I was literally getting headaches because my hair was too long because that happened to me. So I thought, you know, barbershop I go to still not open. So I'll see if the Dollar Shave guy can do something for me. You know, I tried a little experiment, which has worked out very well, by the way. So when people ask me who my barber is, I say the Dollar Shave guy. And they know what that means. That means I shave my head. Uh, the, the, that phrase, Dollar Shave guy, has become so ubiquitous with the idea of low-cost, high-quality shaving equipment that's delivered to your home on a regular basis. And also, the brand itself is capable of being bold and going places as far as it's marketing to see opportunities that others might run away from. You mentioned their competition with Gillette, and I think you're going to tell us a little bit more about that. I'm remembering when Gillette, and I think this was two years ago, released that video about toxic masculinity that for a lot of folks is just totally off point. You're appealing to a male audience by saying that men are toxic. Uh, that's how a lot of people took it, regardless of how they meant it. So while this was blown up in the news, Dollar Shave, Club, Dollar Shave Club's Twitter account dropped a one-line tweet. Welcome to the club. You remember that? Yeah, and I think it's a great point to kind of touch yeah. on, like, marketing is what you say. Branding is what they hear. So you might think you're saying this thing in an ad, but if everyone hears it another way, like, that's all that matters. And, and you're totally yeah. right on that. Yeah I, yeah, I watched the ad, and I didn't necessarily think it was all that bad. At the same time, I could see how a lot of people can misinterpret it. Well, we also have to remember, since we're speaking about niching and branding and everything today, that people will react to something they haven't seen. Do you, can you imagine how many people condemn that Gillette ad for being, uh, uh, being anti-male or anti-men when they themselves hadn't watched it, but they saw a headline or a meme or, uh, or a social media share that told them they were supposed to be outraged? Yeah, and that's kind of the downside of, of such a yeah. noisy world and a noisy environment is that the the edges are are what kind of get talked about the most because it, it stands yeah. out and and then it can kind of go into that little um, echo chamber of, of people not even watching the content and coming up with their own opinion. They've just heard about it so much that that's what they begin to believe. And um, and honestly, like that used to be what the playbook was for a lot of the big companies and the big brands was when there was only three channels and there was only a couple magazines and you had a big budget, you could just fill all of the white space with your content. And it didn't even need to be that good or creative. It just needed to be consistent. Yeah. And once you got big enough, you could just could afford to stay on top for a really long time. Um, like if we look at it as being, well, now only the crazy stories are the ones that go viral and get shared. It's like, that's kind of what, what the downside that comes with all this new opportunity that technology creates for us. Yeah. And, you know, you raise a very interesting point because I'm thinking about 
how, man, back in the day, magazines were just really bad and boring. And I can think of some magazines I get today, some of which I receive because I'm a member of something. And they just have a magazine that goes with my membership. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, good God, that, that, why don't they just send me a gift card for something instead of this magazine? It'd be a better investment. Uh, but now you raised a very good point there is that these brands had the leverage to be mediocre because there really wasn't any competition. And now with the democratization of information dissemination, as I like to call it, using social media, anybody can be a media outlet. You know, after we finish this conversation, I could buy a domain uh, and while the domain is propagating, get WordPress installed, buy a WordPress theme from someplace like ThemeForest. Uh, activate it, uh, jot up a logo real quick in Illustrator, just using some kind of big typeface font, post a few articles, and voila, I'm a news station. Just like that. And then, yeah, you, have I mean, these, you, and then you have these larger brands that are going to have to compete with stuff like that. Yeah, I think what you quickly find is how uh, time-consuming and not profitable it is, which is what we found with a lot of yeah. these media brands that are selling themselves off or overcommitted. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely true. Like, it's never been easier to start a new business, start a new brand, create something like that. Um, and because of that, it's also never been more competition. So the good and the bad kind of come together. Um, yeah the ability to have this opportunity is awesome because it, it, it removes the gatekeepers. Um, if you wanted to break into journalism before you had to have someone say yes and give you an opportunity and then capitalize on that opportunity. And usually that only occurred on the coasts. So you either had to move East or West, or you didn't really have a chance at all. Now you can become a blogger from anywhere in the world and build a community and a following using the similar tools like Twitter or Medium or a lot of these free tools and something like House of Highlights, which was a kid just posting awesome sports videos on his Instagram account, which then gets uh, bought out by ESPN um, and, and makes a bunch of money because he created the new sports center. When I was a kid, sports center was the greatest breakthrough of sports entertainment ever. It went from being able to like read I, the best thing I could do in the past was like read box scores in a newspaper and maybe catch like a sports illustrated that would tell me something that happened four months earlier. Right. Uh, when sports center hit, you could watch daily updates and highlights of sports. That was a game changer. Yeah. And now sports center, not, not many years later is, it seems dated and it's been replaced with 24 hours news cycles of people arguing about stuff. Meanwhile, a lot of the best highlights are happening on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. So it's like, well, well what has changed really? Well, the, the desire to see these highlights hasn't, they just change where you go to see them. Um, and I, I think that it's interesting to kind of track how culture and technology go hand in hand. And no matter what, the pendulum always swings the other way because there's always going to be kids that are going to graduate and they're going to have different experiences than I did. Um, yeah. If, if you didn't, if you didn't see a recession, if you never got fired, your outlook on the, on the world is going to be a lot different than mine. If you're making a bunch of money selling JPEG rocks right now in, in the crypto world, your point of view of the world is going to be a lot different than someone who got laid off because of this uh, recession. Um, right. Because of that, it, it just creates new cultures and new opportunities as things continue to shift. So if we think, well, I've missed out on YouTube and now I can never do video, it's behind, I've lost. That's definitely not the case. 
you could still have a huge success on YouTube. Even if you started right now, you haven't missed yeah. the boat. We're still so early in it. Um, if you wanted to go to a different platform, like you could have success on TikTok without ever dancing on video. Like that's not true. So if you understand what you want to do and, and the brand you want to create or the business you want to create and understand where your audience is, it's really just, okay, how to grab their attention and communicate with them. And whether it's written word, whether it's taking photos, whether it's doing a video or whether it's creating some audio channels, it's never been easier for you to do that. You just have to kind of have the laser focus to pick what you want to do, stick with it and break through some of those early growing pains, which you're going to have on any channel. If you're trying to build a podcast by being on video and Instagram and audio all at the same time, it's going to take a really long time to get good at all those things. If you're going to say, Hey, I'm a podcast. This is an hour long radio show. We are only going to do audio. Well, you will get better at that stuff so much faster because you don't have to worry about how the camera works or how to record in 4k or how to do color grading or how to upload all that stuff stuff, which is stuff that happens when you get deep into video. It's just more obstacles to get in your way of doing the thing you want to be doing. And I think what's awesome is like the, the best videos on TikTok are all shot on iPhones. Anyone uh -huh. can do it on their iPhones. Like that's, that's, that's the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't need more equipment and more expensive stuff. It's really just the creative storytelling of, of attention grabbing and, and getting someone's attention has been the, the, the main goal for businesses and brands since the beginning of businesses and brands. Yeah. We also don't edit the business creators radio show. Whatever we record is what we use. The only thing we deal with is like, let's say there was a, an internet interruption and one of us disappeared from the feed for like five minutes. We would just uh, re-ask a question so we could do a clean splice and that'd be it. That's the only editing rather than adding intro and outro bumpers and such, because, uh, this is natural. This is raw. This is meta. This is people listening in like they're that'd be listening in if they're happen to be at the same table with two people who are having a private mastermind session. That's what it's all about. So and that's uh, a huge I, advantage for you because it, it, yeah. it makes it easier for you to create. So now you can create more. Yeah. Every step to the process that you add makes it harder to do it consistently. So, I mean, when I work with entrepreneurs and business owners, especially ones that have been really successful in other areas, it's like, listen, let's break it down to the basics when you're starting something new. If you don't make it as easy as yourself as possible, to do this consistently, it's just never going to succeed. Yeah, Everything you add to the process is one more reason it's not going to get done and it works exponentially against you. So all of those things that you just listed out to me are, are strengths of your show. And if someone out there wanted to start their own show, they can play to their own strengths and, and have it be a little bit different than yours. And that becomes their advantage, whether or not it works or uh -huh. not, the market will decide that. But um, that's, I mean, you're, you're clear and concise with what you want to achieve with the show. And that's why you are having that success with the show. I've had a couple of folks come to me over time and say, you know, why is your show audio only? Look at this other person's show. They have video. You see the difference between theirs and yours. I say, yeah, there is a difference. But, and, but why would somebody listen to yours when they can watch theirs? I say, watch theirs if you want. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Am I supposed to be like gobsmacked by the fact that somebody's doing something different than I am? The way I see it is there is so much on the table if you're willing to pick it up that not everybody has to do the same thing and everybody is leaving something behind. I'm the creator of the podcast reach system, which works with entrepreneurs to help them launch and grow their podcasts. That's also a very crowded market. And I almost every time I turn around, somebody I know is saying, Hey, I hope you launch your podcast. 
they all do it differently than me. And I've gotten somebody say, well, look at this person. They seem to be more on the ball with this than you, or look at them, but they, they don't, they do it differently than you I say, cool. They do it differently. Uh, they're more on the ball. Really? I see them posting a lot of political memes. Where's their podcasting stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've always called that shiny object syndrome yep. of look at here, there's a shiny object over there. And then you drop what you have in your hands and run over there. And then you run over there and we're going and somewhere the with the day, this, by the way. Yeah. You don't, you, yeah. you haven't progressed anywhere and it's really, it's really easy to keep trying things, but if you're focused on what your competition is doing, you're never going to get to where you're trying to go. And I mean, I, I call it like, if you're trying to catch up to a race car driver and they're in front of you, you're not going to beat them by copying them. You're always going to be stuck behind them. Um, right. so you have to try those new things to try to try to get past them. If that's your goal, if you're creating a podcast to try to get as many listeners as possible, well, your show would probably be a lot different than it is now. If your right. goal is to, Hey, I'm creating a podcast to help me connect with entrepreneurs and share conversations. Well, yeah, you're probably going to give up a lot of listeners, but the listeners you get are going to be in that, in that community and in, in that avatar and that's what matters yeah. the most if you're a business owner and your content is making you more money because it's leading to customers it doesn't matter how many likes or views your tiktok videos are getting you know if, if you pivot and try to get more likes on your on your tiktok well you probably will get more likes but then all of a sudden your sales drop because your mission and your goal has changed so that impacts everything else so i think right. it's really important to just say like hey that's awesome for them and like it's like you're so ahead of the game with with how um adamant you are with like this is my lane and this is what I do. I, I don't do that other stuff. Just like there's yep. more than one realtor in a neighborhood, you know, there's more than one everything in the neighborhood. If you think that you're the secret to your business is the idea, that's not true. The secret to your business is do people want to work with you? Because if it's a great idea, everyone's gonna, like the supply will come, people will copy it and it'll it'll be that'll be copied in a, in a heartbeat. Will people want to work with you after that? And that's what makes most businesses succeed. And, and we kind of talk about a little bit with like personal brand versus, versus uh, professional brand. Um, but in most instances, it, it kind of comes down to that. And just like Coke didn't destroy Pepsi or Pepsi didn't destroy Coke, there's still both of those plus others. So there's always a lot of room in the market for competitors and thinking that you're, you, you've created a, 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 a moat for yourself because of some idea, like, yeah, podcasting was always going to become big business. Like that would seem inevitable helping people launch a podcast. Like it's easy. Like if you want to spend the time learning how to do it and everything, but if you don't have people that love working with you and are referring you to a bunch of friends and family, as other people start to grow podcasts, like, yeah, then it, it, it the idea didn't really save you because you right. still had to execute. Exactly. So this is so let's get where we're going here. And you mentioned the bright, shiny objects and the focus and everything else. And that comes down to niching, which is really what we're here for. Now, earlier in the in our conversation, I said some people say niche, some people say niche, some people say niche. Uh, I've had people who brand themselves as niching or niching experts give me long lectures about how it's absolutely pronounced one way or the other and everybody else is wrong. So you know what? I like niche because I just like the way that sounds. But we're going to go with your analogy today because it makes your book so much punnier. Niche, please. <laughs> and now we're going to get to something that I know you're chomping into bits of share in our last 20 minutes here together. And I know there's a few other things we want to cover. Uh, it's the business formula. Yeah, it, it's your it's finding your business niche. 
Yeah. And that's what the formula comes down to is really this book is a guide to help you figure out what your niche is and whether or not you're, you've been in business for a long time and, and you're trying to figure out social media or whether or not you've uh, decided to change careers in this last year and, and take your side hustle full time and, and try to figure out what separates you. This book will guide you through finding your niche for business, finding it for content and finding it for the media platform. And, and in that order matters because once you understand what your business niche is, that helps you understand who you're trying to reach. And once you understand your own strengths and weaknesses around creating content, building, building kind of a, a content formula for yourself, well, the last step is then plugging it into the right social media platform for you. I know way too many businesses that start in reverse. They think TikTok's hot. We need to be on TikTok. Well, why? Okay. What are you trying to achieve? Who are you trying to reach? Are your customers even there? Do you have like a plan in place to even execute on this? And if you don't, well, it's like, well, then you don't need to just be there for the sake of being there. A lot of business owners kind of struggle with social media because they say, hey, I hired my niece over the summer. She posted a little bit. It never worked for us. And then they come to the conclusion that social media just doesn't work for their business. Meanwhile, I mean, I built my business on social media. So many companies, like it, it does work. It just yeah. didn't work for you. It's like taking your Ford truck commercial and, and putting it on YouTube and wondering why it doesn't go viral. It's like, well, you can't just take an ad that was made for television <laughs> and put it on a, an entertainment consumption platform and expect it to succeed. Um, so the more narrow focused you are, the, the better you're putting yourself in a chance to succeed. Um, if you're in a competitive business like real estate, it's, it's easy to niche by demographic, by location, by specifics, um, and, and finding the, the, the strengths and weaknesses that really play to your advantage. And if you're looking at the entire landscape and you're someone who says, okay, well, in my industry, there's a lot of podcasts, there's a lot of e-newsletters. Um, I do you like, do you really want to spend a lot of money and time to be like the fifth best podcast in your area? Or does it make sense to go into an up and coming platform? Well, those are the questions that you can start to answer for yourself when you go through yeah. the cycle in the book of saying, okay, well, here are, the, here are the pros and cons of doing these types of things. And by the end of it, you'll really understand it says, okay, this is where I need to be. And once you have that confidence, like, like you have right now with your show, which is great when people are like, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? The problem is, is that happens to every business owner. And it's always from people that know very little about their business in the first place. So if you don't have the confidence to say, well, that's not my cup of tea or that's not where my attention goes, then you're going to start adopting a lot of these things. You're going to try the video platform. You're going to try this. You're going to try that. And at the end of the year, you've tried a bunch of things. You have a bunch of equipment you've invested in that is still sitting in your office, unopened mm -hmm. boxes. And you're wondering like, man, if I just would have done one video a week on my iPhone a year later, that'd be 50 videos. I'd be so much further ahead if I had done that instead of tried all of these different platforms to see which one was going to work for me uh -huh. um, because the world is noisy and the world will tell you, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Once you have the conviction that what you're doing is the right thing, that keeps you on that track. And that lets you push through a lot of the ups and downs that come with any type of content creation or any type of platform. 
um, as I'm sure you've experienced, like you said, sometimes the internet goes out. Sometimes yeah. the microphone stopped working. Sometimes this stuff happens. <laughs> like if you're already on the fence about whether or not the medium is work is right for you, those become reasons for you to quit instead of things to push through. Right. And, and that's why most people just give up whatever it is after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, because all of this stuff is hard. Being consistent is hard. Like the information is free. The execution is hard. Like, why aren't we all billionaires with six packs? We know what we're supposed to do. People aren't doing it. There's a reason that diets come and go. There's a reason that uh, fitness companies always exist. There's a reason that there's financial coaches out there with 24 year olds telling you how to, how to flip um, crypto punks. Yeah. Like there's always going to be a demand to get there faster, but it, it doesn't really work that way. And it never really has. Well, one of the things I like to say is that uh, is dating apps don't make money off people who are happy in their relationships or who find love. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind when you look at any messaging. Now, you mentioned that I have a certain approach to my decision about what to do with the Business Creators Radio Show. And as far as uh, adding a video component to it, what I actually said is I don't want to in that tonality. Like, I just don't feel like it. Now, I have another podcast. It's called the Brilliance Plus Passion Podcast that does have a video component to it, but it's listener and audience avatar, and the goals of that podcast are dramatically different from the Business Creators Radio Show. They serve two different audiences, two different purposes, etc. So I'm not going to change one because I did the other. Now, no, and, some, and what's yeah. great about that, and like in this book, we, we talk about like when yeah. it's time to pivot and I use the word pivot as in like basketball, where you keep your pivot right. foot and you're like, you can kind of try some new things without giving up everything you've already built. Right. It's, if you try to do everything at once, it's so much harder to succeed at any of them. It, on the flip side, if you try really hard at one thing, it doesn't mean you have to do that thing forever. It just means you're going to build out the system until it works so well on its own that now you've got the opportunity to go experiment with new things. Right. And when you go to experiment on those new things, the next thing is always going to be so much easier because of everything you've learned before. Uh -huh. If you're trying to learn two new things at once, it's going to take so long. If you become really good at one thing, the next thing you do will, will be that much better. You'll have that much better of an advantage. And you've got all the content you have to kind of repurpose into the new space if you want to. So I, I think that's really key when it comes to niching it's definitely not niching forever. Like, like Amazon literally sells everything to everyone today. But when it started, it only sold books online. If it tried to sell everything to everyone on day one, it never would have worked. But once it dominated selling books online, it allowed them to pivot into new categories and new verticals and become the behemoth that is today. Just like Dollar Shave Club can now compete to the point where it gets bought out by one of these giant companies for a yeah. billion dollars. If you are a little guy, you can't compete with the big guys at what they're strong at. You got to go with what they're what they're weak at. And as as someone who was just young and trying to break into a, break into a field, I I understood that. If you're at a position where you're having success in your business and you're trying to find new verticals and categories, like sticking to your guns is really valuable, but it doesn't mean you can't ever pivot or you can't ever try anything new, whether or not you wanted to start a second show that is video and try those things. And then if it works out, well, then you could always plug it into your other stuff. If it doesn't work out, you'd say, okay, now that I know it doesn't work for me, I, I feel more confident in, in what I'm doing. Both of those sound like wins to me. Yeah. Well, think about competitive analysis. Now I was taught this a long time ago. If you have, if you're thinking about creating a product, 
one of the best ways to get competitive intelligence is go to your competitors' reviews and see what people are complaining about. That's a potential gap. So when people come to me, look at the podcast reach system, and then they start pointing out my competitors. I say, yeah, I know all of those people, a lot of them personally, and I probably know about 10 you've never heard of. I'm only interested what they're doing in as much as I want to see what they're not doing, can't do, or have said, I don't feel like doing, because that's where my edge is, and I just want to find that edge. That's as much as I care about them. In fact, I wouldn't mind being friends with a lot of them, because perhaps we could exchange referrals. Absolutely. And I, I, that's the secret to business, too, especially when it comes to owning your niche. If, if, if you're in a business with a lot of competition and you want to own a category – it doesn't, it doesn't lose the other opportunities. Like if you're a realtor and you only want to help people sell homes and not help them buy homes, um, you don't lose out on buyer leads. If those Uh come in, you could just refer them out to a competitor. And then you get to the point where that competitor starts to send you all of the good seller leads to you. And you've created a referral relationship that have helped both of your businesses without giving anything up. Too many people think I've got to do everything for everyone because I don't want to lose this mm-hmm. customer right here. Well, that opportunity cost of all the customers you're missing out on by doing the thing you're awesome at is what slows your growth and slows your success and slowly burns you out and slowly starts giving you more of the clients that you don't want and less of the clients that you do want. And then all of a sudden your business evolves into a thing that you never wanted it to be, whether it's, and I think that's true, whether it's your business or whether it's your, your show or your podcast or your content, whatever it is, listening to too many of the other people to try to please everyone is uh-huh. a sure sign to kind of sign yourself up for a long, slow, um, unexciting failure. Yeah. One thing that I did, and this was about eight months ago, is I made the strategic decision to simply remove myself and my companies from a lot of social media platforms. And the reason behind it was simply- I bet that felt great. This is, yeah, it did. You know, the reason was, this is too much. There's too much bullshit going on on these platforms. I don't have the time or the interest for. So- I mean, as I'm looking at this, like, I, I, I don't take pictures of myself. I believe that selfies kill. I want to see selfies eliminated. I'm not going around filming viral videos. I'm not interested in taking pictures of the sunset. So what the hell do I need to be on Instagram for? And yes, I know the argument to that. I know. I just don't want to. And as far as Twitter, do I really want to deal? I mean, I understand the um, psychological manipulation that they do with their hashtags and their trends and everything else. And I know how to compartmentalize it and not be affected by it. But you know what? I just don't want to see it. So I don't want to do Twitter. Got rid of those and several others. It just were pointless to me. And yes, I'm aware of the reasons why others say I should, but I just don't want to. And what that's done is it's gotten me so much more traction on the two platforms I do like, which are LinkedIn and Facebook. Because that now I'm focusing just better. on them. Like if yeah. you don't like a channel, you're every time you have to go do it, you're going to drag your feet and not like it. And it's going to feel more like work and less like fun. It sounds to me like when you tell someone like, oh man, I've been running a lot. It feels great. And I'm, I, I have energy again and I'm, I'm loving it. And there's always a person that like, oh, you shouldn't run. It's so bad for your knees. And it's like, well, it's yep. usually the people who's overweight that tells you how bad it is for your knees, you know? So it's like, if something's working for you, awesome. Like lean into it, embrace it. If you uh-huh. don't want to do other things, then don't do other things. Like that's what the 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 powerful value of, of finding your niche is that it allows you to say, I just don't want to do that. Like, yeah, yeah that makes right. sense. But do I want to invest the time it's going to take to achieve success there when I don't need to? Um, 
I, I, I think like the, the biggest thing that I've come kind of out of after spending the year writing the book during COVID and, and editing it down to get it real concise and relaunching my own podcast was really trying to go after the stories of the people who are not creating businesses that involve kind of huge scaling and, and working long hours, but right. who are finding a way to monetize some type of, of interest of theirs so that allows them to have more time to do the things they want to do. And sometimes yeah. people want to build a big following on social media, but a lot of times they don't. And I think what's really exciting is that if you do own a category and you do create a, a, a system that works for you, it gives you the power and the ability to say, no, I don't want to do that. And to me, I think that's like, that's a superpower. That's success. That's the definition mm -hmm. of everything you'd want is the ability to not have to do whatever that is. And for some people, it's not having to set an alarm in the morning. For some people, it's, you know what, I'm not even going to sign up for Clubhouse. For some people, it's, I'm going to delete my social media accounts. Those are, those are wins for me, depending on who it's coming from, to be honest. And you know, you know what the ironic thing is, I just mentioned that uh, I, I left Twitter now, I still have my old Twitter username simply because I didn't want somebody else to take my name. It's a profile that is blacked out. You know what I mean? Like the profile and the cover image are replaced by black space. I unfollowed everybody and deleted every tweet and every retweet and every image I reposted or that I paid others to post for me, which is really how most of it happened. And I still get regular alerts, people sharing their appearances on my podcast on Twitter. I say, great. So look at this. I'm not even on Twitter and I'm on Twitter. So that even reinforces even further. Why do I have to do it? <laughs> you don't. Yeah, I'm still on Twitter, even though I'm not on Twitter. It's hilarious. Uh, and I've gotten some of that on Instagram, too. I've, I've been the topic of Instagram stories. Um, and I'm not even on Instagram. It's just, it's just amazing. People will share you where they want to share you with their community market and audience. So when I hear the thing of, well, if you're not, if you're not on Pinterest, you're not really a podcast. It's like, well, you know what? My podcast is going to get on Pinterest, even if I'm not here, watch. Yeah. And that's the power of being great at what you do. Other people yeah. become, become the, the content creators for you. No one has ever said to me, if you don't start a TikTok channel, I won't listen to your podcast anymore. That hasn't happened. Yeah. And a lot of it people that happen. like podcasts are the people that are interested in short form video are less likely to click a button that will take you to a podcast for a 60 minute interview. And right. that's, that, that's just how it is. You go to TikTok to watch 20 videos in a row and that's just a different mindset and a different everything. So using TikTok to, yeah. to try to build a podcast doesn't like it doesn't totally fit in line with what your message is. So it, it's kind of a no brainer. But for some people, it, it's hard because they think I've heard this thing on the news or a friend told me about this. This thing's up and coming. I need to be there for the success of my business. And and that's the mindset that I, I have empathy for. A lot of people go through, especially when you're, you're, you're trying to maximize your revenue and you've got a new business or you're, you've lost customers or you're coming out of a COVID lockdown that you just, you don't want to ever miss out on an opportunity to, to close a deal or to find a customer. Right. Um, 
but it, it works the other way. The, the more focused you are, the easier it is for you to be remembered by people. The easier it is for other people to refer you business. The easier it is for competitors to say, hey, they do this well, I do this well, we can have a referral partnership. And, and those are where you see the most successful businesses come from is when they own a category and then decide, okay, I can either double down on this category or I can now pivot into new categories. Right. You can, yeah, just because it, it's, I remember back about 10 years ago, there were a lot of people coming out with all kinds of different marketing package offers. And the joke I used to make is go down to bullet point number nine and bullet point number nine will always be, and we'll build you a website too. Mm-hmm. Well, this was in the waning days of me owning a web development firm. In fact, I'd already decided to close and was phasing it out. Uh, it was gone by 2011. <laughs> and you know how much business we picked up of rescuing people's chestnuts from the fire who had made that offer and then couldn't find anybody to do it. Uh, or they had their development team all lined up, but then their developers ghosted them, leaving them holding the bag with clients where they said, and we'll build your website too. And I hate to say it, but some of these folks lost money on these offers. And I don't necessarily hate to say that Part of that was because of me, because their emergency was my opportunity. It wasn't also my emergency. That's just life. Yeah, and that's when that's when the idea doesn't matter nearly as much as the execution on the idea. Yeah, what, and, I, what, and, I, what I was saying in not so many words, I charged them premium rates for bailing their asses out of their own mess and was happy to do it, which cut into their profit margins on their offers. So I bring that up as a cautionary tale when you start adding things, the, and I'll do this for you too, and I'll do this for you too, particularly when it's things you have to outsource or things you may not even understand very well, but you've been told, oh, well, if you're doing this, you have to offer this. Yeah, that's where you can really get burned really bad. And you can find yourself in a position where essentially you're paying for the privilege of being in business. Yeah, and it's a scary place to be. Yeah. So that's the cautionary tale I like to leave people on when I discuss niching, because we are at the top and I brought it up at this juncture for a reason, because I want people to go visit your website. I want them to get the Niche Please book. So your website, as I understand it, is SkylerIrvine.com. That's S-K-Y-L-E-R-I-R-V-I-N-E.com. If you're watching this, or rather listening to this episode on www.brilliant... I am screwing up my podcast today. If you are listening to this episode on www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You can find the post that is my interview with Skylar Irvine. You can find it in the show notes. So go to that website, skylarirvine.com. You'll see a link to buy the Niche Please book. I'm going to buy it myself and I'm going to read it because I'm, I'm really curious. Uh, Skylar also has a really cool podcast I've had a chance to check out. And there are some other interesting things going on. And Check out that website, and if you choose to reach out to Skylar personally, just tell him that Adam says niche, please. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, you can also <laughs> you can also on Amazon just search for niche, please. the The book's available everywhere. I've seen it in Target. I've seen it other places, but Amazon's the one place that's guaranteed to have it. Um, so it's also the easiest place to find it. I'm sure. So I just yeah. love to plug that one more time. Awesome. Skylar Irvine, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Adam, thank you so much for hosting me. This was a good time. I appreciate it. Yeah. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. 
Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.